0: It is great to see you this morning. You know, if I ask you today, what is your thoughts? If I ask you to share your opinion, uh, most of you have an opinion on something, don't you? And most of us have thoughts about something. And many of you would have educated opinions and educated thoughts, but... Would you agree with me that there's not anybody here that has infallible perfect thoughts and opinions? Would you agree with me that your husband or wife, our parents aren't perfect and their thoughts and opinions say amen. amen? Okay, good. God's thoughts on sex when I when I thought about this title several months ago, I thought the one little error or problem might be is thoughts has the idea of being subjective. Well, that's what God thinks and I think this, but let me remind you what God thinks is perfect. In 2 Timothy 3:16, now we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 6, but this is a foundational verse. It says all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So When we talk about from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, God's thoughts on something, we're really talking about what's fact and what's true and it's it's without error. So when we look at God's thoughts this morning, not my opinions, but God's thoughts, what we're looking at is perfect, okay? That's our our foundation. So we're talking about sex. Let's do a quick review uh, from last Sunday before we dive into what we're going to talk about today. Number one, sex is God's idea. Say that with me. Sex is God's idea. Okay, that's a really important foundation. Here's the second thing. We're going to really see more this morning. Sex has a very limited context. In God's eyes, sex is supposed to be between a husband and a wife, man and woman who are married. That's where sex is to take place, very limited context. And here's the third thing. Sex in this context should be wonderful. Repeat that out loud with me. Sex in this context should be wonderful. And all the men said? Okay. And it should be for women too. Okay. Now, what we were going to do, we were going to look at the out of bounds this week, and then we were going to look at homosexuality next week. But what I found out on Thursday, I had, I had one hour-long sermon or two 25 to 30-minute sermons, and I know how you all are. So we're going to have, we're going to look this morning at some out-of-bounds things of sex, and then next week we're going to look at more detail on how we deal with those things. And then on April 13th, we're going to talk about homosexuality, probably the biggest, most important issue uh, facing Christianity in America today, and at least in the moral and ethical issue. But first of all, let's talk about this. What is out of bounds? That's our subject today. Sexually, what is out of bounds? I mentioned we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 15 through 18, if you have your Bibles, you can read. If not, they'll be on the screens. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two became one flesh from Genesis 2. That is psychologically, spiritually, and that's a sexual thing too there. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins... A person commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, let me just give you the context of Corinth, where Paul is writing from. Corinth, two thousand years ago, is Las Vegas on steroids. Does that help you? I mean it was uh, it was a party boomtown, to say the least. It was uh, it, it, it was not. Paul wasn't writing to a Sunday school class, basically is what I'm telling you, and just to meet my little community. Uh, It was a place, especially for men, that sexual freedom and license was almost expected, that women better be Chase, they better be loyal, but a man, he can have sex with a prostitute, he can have sex with slaves, and it's okay. Remember, this is the context he's writing in. In Corinth, they worship Venus and Aphrodite, who were the goddesses of sex and love. Now, listen to this. In Corinth, where Paul's writing at this time, there is a magnificent, there's no magnificent church structures at this time. There's a magnificent temple to the goddess of sex and love, Aphrodite. Aphrodite. And at this temple, there are hundreds, some even said thousands, of uh, priestess, female priests, and prostitutes who are supported and paid for by the public tax roll, okay? And part of going to worship there at the Temple of Aphrodite's, it involves sex. So on Wednesday night, when your child or your young person said, I want to go to the youth group at the Temple of Aphrodite's tonight, moms and dads said, No, hopefully, okay? Because that would have been the place to hang out, I'm sure This is the context, this is what he's writing into it, Corinth is far more immoral than even America is today And he says in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality in, in the, Remember the New Testament is written in Greek And that phrase, sexual immorality, is one Greek word, pornea And you, you know what we get, pornea, pornography from that But sexual immorality here, here's what it meant It meant the whole gamut that we're going to look at in just a moment. It it, it meant anything outside of the bounds of marriage was wrong. Now, I want you to read verse 19 with me. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Now, he's talking to Christians here. Now, so if you're not a Christian... Our greatest desire is that you become a Christian this morning, and so this will apply to you. If you're not a Christian, you and your body is still very precious to God, and everything we're going to talk about applies to you. But if you are a Christian, there's real significance here. Because he's talking about you possessing God, God living in you. This, is, this is, will change your life if you would think about this. Let me show you a picture of, the, of the, old, the temple in Jesus' day. Now, this is actually a model city. Cindy and I got to see this, and many who have been to Jerusalem have seen it when we were there, of, of Jerusalem. And this was the temple that Jesus interacted with. Leave it there for a second, Brian. Remember, New Testament is written in Greek, and so, put it on Josh, and there's two words used to describe the temple one is the whole temple structure This is the whole temple structure. There was a Greek word for this, the temple. Then there was another Greek word for this right here. This is the holy place. Inside of this is the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where only the high priest went once a year. That was where the presence of God dwelled. When it says in verse 19, listen, that you as a Christian are the temple of God, it was saying you are the holy of holies. You get a hold of that? Not that you're just the temple structure. God lives in you. So anything you do with your body when you sin sexually, you're sinning against the Holy Spirit in you. Folks, God lives in you. You are, as a Christian, you are the holy of holies. Is that not awesome? That's what God says about us, okay? So keep that in mind as we dive into sinning with our body, sinning sexually. What's out of bounds? We're going to see five things this morning. Here's number one, homosexuality. Now, we're going to talk about this on the 13th, two weeks from today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today. Leviticus 18.22 from the Old Testament. Do not lie with a man, do not have sex with a man, as one has sex with a woman, is what he's saying. That is detestable. You do not need to be a Bible scholar to understand what that's saying, correct? I mean, that's pretty simple. 1 Corinthians 6, 15, and 16. Let's back up a little bit. Or, excuse me, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to what he says here. Don't be deceived, the sexually immoral. These are people who live in this, not who, who fall occasionally. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will go to heaven someday. Now, by the way, if you are wondering if homosexuality is in there, it is, correct? What probably should bother most church people more is it also says that swindlers and greedies and slanderers are in there too. But our point of uh, reference here was homosexuality. Again, come on the 13th. We will talk about that in detail. God's boundaries, how God has drawn up sex, homosexuality is not within those boundaries, okay? Here's number two, adultery. Adultery. Now, what is adultery by simple definition? It is a married person having sex with someone who is not their spouse. It's a married person having sex with someone that they're not married to. The truth is, in our society today, homosexuality is getting a lot of play. But I want to tell you, adultery is a whole lot more rampant. It really is. I saw a book titled and read a little bit about the book this week by a lady named Peggy Vaughn. It was called The Monogamy Myth. Monogamy is one woman for one man in marriage. The Monogamy Myth. In this book, she says that 60% of American men will cheat on their wives at some time in their marriage. And 40% of American women will cheat on their husband. She says adultery is just the way it is. It's a way of life. Another lady wrote a book. Her name is Judith Brantz called The 50 Mile Rule. Listen to this. Judith says adultery is wrong, but... You're going to do it. So she wants to make sure you can do it good, properly, safely. That you can cheat on your husband or wife, at least that person's 50 miles away, and she will help you do it that will benefit your marriage and not be destructive to your marriage. Good grief. Exodus 20, verse 14, in the top 10, not David Letterman's, but God's, you shall not what? You should not commit adultery. You're married. You should not be involved sexually with someone you're not married to. In 1 Corinthians 16, or excuse me, 6 verse 15 and 16, Don't you know your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute or with anyone I'm not married to, Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute or anyone who they're not married to is is one with them in body? For it is said, the two have become one flesh. I'm going to pause real quick and say this. Everything I'm going to talk about today, some of it's pretty tough. So if you say, I'm in this right now. This is me. This is my marriage. This is homosexuality, whatever. This is you. Listen, I want to tell you, you're in the right place today. You're in God's house. And we love you, and God loves you, and and we're not saying any of this this morning to condemn you or to kick you. We're trying to say this to help you, to to help you come to Christ and make right decisions, okay? Please keep that in mind throughout the whole sermon. God says when, when, when a person gets married, that they become one. Remember, we talked about that last week, that you become one. You become one emotionally You become one psychologically And certainly that was a sexual connotation That that there is a oneness And when you are married And you cheat on your spouse You are breaking that oneness Now I want to be careful what I say Because I don't want to be crude And I don't want you But I want to get the point across Adultery is a lot more than just intercourse Now We can talk about emotional affairs and all that. We're not going to talk about that this morning. 1998, President Clinton was in office. This is not Republican, Democrat. This is just the facts, Jack. President Clinton is accused of having a relationship with an intern, Monica Lewinsky. How many of you remember that story? And he came on TV, and he wagged that finger, and he said he had not done that, and he needed to get back to the work of the American people. You remember that? And then six months later, he got caught red-handed. And he vaguely, you know, he owned it to some degree. But here's what else he said. He said, we had oral sex. We did not have intercourse. Therefore, we did not have sex. Now, friend, I want to tell you today, that may not have been sex to Hillary, but it is to Cindy. (laughs) And it is to me. And I'm going to bet to 99% of the people in this room, if your husband or wife were caught in that same act and they said it wasn't sex, you would disagree vehemently. Amen? Don't play games with God. If you are married, God loves you and He wants you to repent. And there's reasons for everything we're saying. This God's not a killjoy. But if you are involved physically with someone who is not your Your spouse, that is adultery. You are breaking that oneness. Listen, there is one very clear reason in the Bible for divorce, and that's adultery. Listen, if adultery happens and you can stay married, that would be the will of God. It would be great, but God gives that clause there because God knows when you violate your spouse like that, that you are breaking that oneness spiritually, emotionally, and physically. You are hurting them in your marriage in the deepest and most profound way. God didn't say, don't cheat on your spouse because he's a killjoy. He knew the very best thing for you in your marriage is that you stay loyal to each other. Hope that makes sense. One definition of adultery is, is marriage breaker. And that's what it is. You look at the boundaries of marriage, of sex, marriage. What's outside of that? Homosexuality and adultery right off the bat. Here's the third one, and that's fornication. Fornication. What is fornication by simple definition? It is people who aren't married having sex. It's being intimate with someone That you hadn't bothered to make a life commitment to. I won't go into it again, but I want to say, young people, single people, don't try to be a lawyer with God. After that happened with Clinton and Lewinsky in Texas, I heard several young people tell their mamas and daddies who were involved sexually but not having intercourse while we weren't having sex and the common response around our town was don't you Clinton me (laughs) oral sex is sex being involved with someone sexually is sex fornication is people who aren't married doing things that they are not supposed to be doing in verse 18 Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. What does that mean? It means that sex is more than just an animal act between two humans. You are uniting yourself physically, emotionally, psychologically. And then you dump that person and you go have sex with this person. Remember I talked about last week, one of the God gifts of sex is that neurotransmitter oxytocin that's released during sex that's an attachment hormone. And that no doubt God made that work so that husband and wife, when they had sex, part of the beauty of it is is, is that biologically it attaches you to that person. You're not meant to be attached to 50 different people. Oh, nobody's attached to 50 people. Where are you living? I didn't talk to her, and I didn't see it on the Internet. I saw it on a church interview with a former porn star who's a Christian. And she was asked, how can you have sex with hundreds of people? And she said, you just eventually detach. You just detach yourself. You're just there in body. Okay, so what happens when you get married? Probably you are still detached. Can that be recovered? Absolutely. Have you messed yourself up and your spouse and your marriage? Absolutely. Fornication is is sex beyond intercourse, it's more than that outside of marriage. And your moms and dads need to take you home this afternoon and elaborate more on what I'm saying. But we talked about, some of the older men, and I talked about this after church this morning. The church has been so quiet on this. But what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. Why does God say not to have sex outside of marriage? It hurts you. It it, it hurts you psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. It's going to hurt your future marriage. It's recoverable, but you damage yourself. I talked to my ministers this week. Here's what we've we've decided. If you're living together or if you're sexually active with your partner and you're, you're an adult, you say, well, we're planning on getting married. Here's what we'll do for you. You get a marriage license across the street. It takes about two days before that thing is active. And you call our church office Monday through Friday, and we'll marry you for free in the office. It's going to be a five-minute, no frills. Say it, kiss them, and it's done wedding. And then we'll come back six months later, and we'll have the bells and whistles and the cake, and we'll do it upright. But what we're saying is, is we want to help you get that thing started properly. Because if you're having sex outside of marriage, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just saying it's wrong. It's wrong. Here's the fourth thing. Pornography. But pornography is not adultery, is it? I mean, you're not actually doing something with someone. It's not fornication. You're not, you're not actually doing something with a person. Remember verse 18 flee from sexual immorality, or morality, pornea. There, we get our word pornography. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says some pretty stout words. Matthew 5, if you heard that it was said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. To look at lustfully is to look at someone to want to have sex with them. And please don't tell your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, and your wife, you are looking at pornography for research purposes. Get that settled up front before you go to the computer. Amen? Come on, laugh with me a little bit. You are too serious. pornography. Probably always been around in some form, but really got kicked off in 1953 when Hugh Hefner introduced Playboy with Marilyn Monroe on the cover. For years, it was pretty hard to get. When I was growing up, you had to go to some friend's house whose father was a little bit weird who might have dirty magazines or you stole them or whatever. But it wasn't available like it is now. today. 90% 90% of the pornography is on the internet. Listen to some of this. This is incredible. The, the figures are hard to be exact on, but they estimate that pornography is a 10 to 14 billion, 10 to 14 billion dollars a year industry in the United States alone. Did you get that? 90 billion dollars annually worldwide. 90 billion dollars. That's 3000 dollars a second being spent on Internet pornography. Mom and Dad, please hear what I'm fixing to say. Did you know the average boy comes across Internet pornography by the time he is 8? And by the time he's 11, almost every boy has seen it to some degree. The biggest users of pornography in our country today are boys, teenagers, 12 to 17. It's not my son. It's not what the stats would say. It's not my girl. It's not what the stats would say. But is it that wrong? I mean, you know, what's the big deal about it? Well, let me tell you some of the big deals about it. Dr. William Struthers is a biopsychologist. He studied porn and its effects on our neurological system. Here's what he says, and this is a neat thing, that, that you, you are creating new neural pathways in your brain all the time. And the great thing is, is you can create new and positive neural pathways. But what Dr. Struthers says is, when you begin to watch pornography, you are creating neural pathways. Think about trails in your brain. And the more you watch it, the wider those trails become. People are watching pornography for certain reasons and outcomes. And and just like in the sex act between a husband and a wife, our people who aren't married, oxytocin is released. Weird as this may sound, there becomes an attachment and a neurological direction towards those pornographic pictures. I said this last week, one of the beautiful things God's created about sex is that when when a, when a couple's having sex meant for marriage that there is an opium like effect released in their brains that that short of a shot one doctor said short of a shot of heroin to your arm it is the it is the most pleasurable experience a person can have so here's somebody looking at pornography and it just started innocently you know because their wife doesn't They're just not just very... She's not really sexual anymore. Or because all my friends do it. Or because you're a guy and it's natural. Or your husband... It's not who he should be. Or we just started looking at it to help our sex life. And when people say they're addicted to porn, you absolutely can be addicted to porn. Psychologically and neurologically, you can be addicted to it. Can you break it? Absolutely. But this, hey, when Jesus said, don't lust with your eyes, you think he knew about neurological pathways and chemical reactions? He did, didn't he? of sex offenders in prison in America today admitted that their problem started with pornography. How many of you remember who Ted Bundy was? Ted Bundy was a horrible serial killer. He was a nice-looking guy. He went to law school. He was very intelligent. And he raped and murdered and brutalized women really all across the country. Eventually, in 1989, he he was... executed in Florida in prison. Before he died, Dr. James Dobson, the wonderful Christian psychologist, spent several days with him. Dr. Dobson actually helped Bundy give his life to Christ before he died. He asked Bundy, he said, what brought you to such a place that you could actually have sex with corpse You would murder and rape women. What brought you to that place? He said, well, obviously there were several things. But he said, I honestly look back to when I was in my early teenage years and I was exposed to hardcore pornography. Am I telling you today you're going to be a serial killer or you're going to be in prison because you look at porn? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is to say it's harmless, to say it's not going to affect you, to say it's not going to affect your marriage is is absolutely hogwash. When God says that pornography is outside of the bounds, you know what? God knew what he was talking about, didn't he? Let's look at one other thing, and that's lust. And and lust obviously goes hand in glove with pornography, but it it can be, it can be, I, I think we'll see a little bit different because here's what some guys particularly would say. We would say, I don't commit adultery. I'm not fornicating. I don't look at pornography but hey, when a good looking woman comes by, it's okay to shop as long as you don't buy anything, right? It's okay to look, just don't touch. I've heard Christian men say that for the last 30 years. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Now, folks, I, I, I honestly, for years, even as a preacher, I never understood covet. We don't use that in Louisiana or in Texas. You're at lunch today, and someone says, "I covet thy fries." Shut up, and eat your own fries. <laughs> I covet the pastor's lovely yellow sweater. Well, get your own, dude. What does covet mean? Covet means that I want what you have in a wrong way. It's looking looking at somebody else's wife or girlfriend and saying, man, I wish that was mine. Or their husband is saying, I wish that was mine. In in Matthew 5, again, he says, You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery in his heart. What does that mean? It means to long after. It's not the first look, it's the stare, it's the glare, it's the undressing that person with your eyes. It's looking at them and saying, Man, if I had them alone, what would it be like? That's what lust is. Now, this is a true story. My first church, I had a wonderful guy. He got saved. I mean, he was, a uh, tool shed was not full, you know what I mean? But he was a great guy. And he started reading his Bible, which that can be dangerous at times. Have you ever notice that? Some people need a lot of interpretive help on the front end. So he reads this passage that, if you look it, you think it, you've done it. So he comes to me, and almost with tears in his eyes, but he was almost—I think—he was hoping I'd give him a pass. He said, "Well, I've been lusting. I might as well go ahead and do it." I said, "Man, if we—if I had a gun and two bullets, I'd shoot you and me right now." That's not what that's saying. It's it's not saying, well, I thought it. I might as well go ahead and do it. What he's saying is, is this is common sense. It starts here. You begin to fantasize. You begin to look at them in ways you shouldn't. You lock in. You don't deal with that. And if you're not careful, then you end up doing things that you shouldn't do. Jesus says, obviously, the act is different from just the thought. The the, The do the deed is to multiply the sin, but he said, the sin begins with the eyes. Men, remember what I told you last week. Lust your wives. It's legal. Women, he may not be much to look at, but you married him. Lust him. <laughs> Fall back in love with the way your husband or wife looks. You get married. Like the way they look. Like a lot more about but. That's who you need to focus on. It's okay to really admire the beauty of your husband or wife. Now, women, help a brother out here. We are visual. Amen, guys? Well, thank you. About four of us are. <laughs> a bunch of sissies. When you paint your clothes on, ladies, it doesn't help us. He you following me? Men are natural, we're visual. And men, this is not an excuse. Well, she shouldn't have worn that. I wouldn't have ogled her if she hadn't worn that. No, keep your eyes on the the shoulders up and the knees down and you'll be safe. But women, help us out. When you're alone with your husband, take it off and show it off. But not for everybody else. See, here's part of the problem. Listen, here's part of the problem. Women aren't doing that for their husbands. Men aren't doing that for their wives. It doesn't ever make anything right outside of that. If you're a Christian woman, how you dress is important. I'm, I'm telling you truth. How you dress is important. And go back to men and women, especially men, because we struggle this more. The sin starts here in your head and your heart and your eyes. It's out of bounds when we go there. And I told you, next week we're going to look at some more specifics on how to deal with these things. But let me give you the the foundation of it. It all starts with getting your heart right with God. So what I want to challenge you to do right now is get your heart right with God. Will you pray with me? If you're a Christian, as you're praying, here's what I want to ask you. Is there things you need to repent of? Is there things that need to go in your life? I want to encourage you to do that now. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins today. I believe you're the son of God, Jesus, and you died for me. And and today, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Transform me, Jesus. Change me today. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment and I want to challenge you to respond to Christ. Maybe where you're you're seated, you just ask Christ to come into your heart or you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come and talk to one of these ministers and settle that deal with God? Would you do that today? Maybe this morning you'd like to join the church. We would love for you to do that. God's leading you to one way you can do it. When we stand, you ease out, you come forward you can join this morning you need a good church home you need a place where you'll be loved unconditionally and supported and helped come join us this morning Christian today maybe just where you're standing there needs to be some repentance and a fresh start with you and God maybe you want to come and pray with a minister pray at the altar or you and your family come and pray folks the stakes are awful high Then the choice is yours. Let's make the right choices. Let's stand. As God leads you, you